Welcome to Frame of Reference, informed, intelligent conversations about the issues and challenges facing everyone in today's world. In-depth interviews with Sauk County's leaders and professionals to help you expand and inform your frame of reference. Brought to you by the Max FM Digital Network. Now here's your host, Raul Labresh. Well, welcome to another episode of Frame of Reference. I have a, a foursome of guests today, so which is uh, makes this much more interesting than a normal podcast. Uh, sitting from my left to my right, Jason Linus, who is the Worm Farm co-founder and director of Special Projects and, and a CSA farmer, as if he didn't have enough to do already. So Brenda Baker is sitting next to him, who is an artist, VP of Exhibits, Facilities and Initiatives at the Madison Children's Museum. But in this particular instance, we're talking about her experience and uh, wonderful insights as an artist. And then next to her is Jackie and Dan. Actually, Dan is next to her and Jackie is next to Dan, just, you know, because I'm particular that way. Uh, Engi, who are the owners of Veggie Emporium and Regenerative Farmers. So, you know, I'm going to start out with you guys. T- talk about regenerative farming. What is that all about? And what makes a regenerative farmer different from, like, you know, Farmer Dan or, you know, Farmer Ben, whatever, all those guys. Good question. And I guess I'll do my best to convey what regenerative <laughs> agriculture is. Um, the What we focus on is not disturbing the soil. So we don't own a rototiller. Um, we focus on biodiversity. So lots of different varieties of lots of different species growing all together um we do even other practices of we've got a slope garden so we contour plant all of our gardens are mulched with straw and or wood chips most of the past we do wood chips so the big thing is we don't ever want to see bare soil because bare soil is dead soil and we want to keep living soil to Man, uh, trying to think of easy way to say all the benefits really quick. Maybe you can ask me more questions to well, follow. I, well, it makes me think of like um, I forget the the man's name, but they we jokingly referred to him as Doctor Dirt, um, and he would talk about things that we never think about with soil and how there is this incredibly complex interaction of bacteria and fungi and whatnot. That um, when you disturb that, when you you know continue to just fertilize and fertilize and you know grow the same crop over and over again, how that just just totally destroys all of that. So it sounds like you're trying to do something that's much more cooperative with how soil is supposed to work. And, you know, I I can't help but think the Native Americans were actually much better at understanding that than we are. Um, But is that, how did you learn that? I mean, how did you, um, you know, what is there, if somebody wanted to become a regenerative farmer, where would you start them out and, you know, tell them to, you know, well, you need to know this and you need to know this. And first of all, you have to be respectful. So, well, we didn't start off as regenerative farmers. Like, um, I mean, veggie emporium did, but myself and Dan, we were doing what our parents taught us. And I mean, that's okay. But, um, you know, I used miracle Grow like 10 years ago and I thought of rototiller, like every farmer needed to own a rototiller, you right, know, right. raised beds. Oh yeah. Why not? Like all the end raised beds are great, but, um, we kind of just like learned, um, with our planting and like with the soil, like 
as we started learning as farmers, we understood that the health of the foundation of land on earth, so the soil, is the most important thing. And how can we how can we improve that within our gardens? Because sure. that just improves your your plants, your gardens, everything, the ecosystem around your gardens. Right. Well, I mean, you apply that to a lot of things, right? Free range chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my wife and daughter have gotten really good about looking for the certified humane label that's on things. And there are some people that are, ah eggs, ah chickens, ah you know, they're stupid chickens. But you know, you taste the difference between those eggs and you're like okay there must be something to being a happy chicken right mm-hmm. so and the same has got to be true of our soil i mean if the soil is happy the nutrients are there that need to be there that you know if the plants are working in conjunction with it right the way that they're mm-hmm. intended to mm-hmm. do you find that there are some things that, that you do that are counterproductive like trying to introduce certain species to a ground that isn't really well suited for that species or is that kind of a trial by error thing or how does that work? Yeah. Lots of trials by lots of errors. And, <laughs> um, I can't think of a specific example, but, uh, it just comes down to just diversity is the key and don't, don't like put all your eggs in one basket and don't put all your eggplant in one spot. So that's an example <laughs> we have from this year is, um, we just so we just have our lawn, um, and we just try to find any spot we can to grow veggies. We're kind of maxed out now, but the way it ended up working out is we had half our eggplant down in our main garden, and then the other half, you know, a hundred feet away in a different garden, and haven't really done the the research to find out exactly or the investigative work, but. It turns out that the the ones in one garden were hit hard by pests and, you know, they're not doing as good as the other ones, but mm. we're lucky that we diversified and the eggplants in the other garden, they're doing awesome. They're doing, they're doing more than enough work for the whole, the whole set of eggplants. Do you find that certain plants like growing together better than other plants? Like, do they cooperate with each yeah, other? Better? Yeah. Yeah. We, we try to also focus, um, not only with regenerative practices, but other practices like um, companion planting, something okay. that just just benefits the garden overall. We sure. try a lot, trial and error. Um, we're not the best at what we do, but the most important thing is that we're always learning and trying to take something back from it. Sure. sure. And not just um, companion planting. Like, yeah, we like to, we put the garlic next to the tomatoes, um, it's supposed to help with pests, but also a big thing that we do is, um, like in one spot, we just dedicated that spot to, um, uh, prairie planting. And so that's going to be prairie right there forever. It's just a small spot that's growing a little bit, but I don't know if it's like three by four foot, but that just brings in all kinds of pollinators and all kinds of, um, predator insects so that, you know, we don't use any synthetic input, so we're relying on the insects to do their to do sure. their job. So sure. that that brings in all all the pollinators and brings in spiders. And we saw a insect that I've never seen before, but I got out my iNaturalist app and learned it was a mantid fly. It looked hmm. pretty cool. It looked kind of like a wasp, but it had the like the praying mantis front arms on it. So hmm. I had to figure out what it was and hmm. that was cool. So yeah, that's a predator that 
I've never seen before that wouldn't be there if we didn't have our garden there. Like the movie The Fly, where it was part human, part fly kind of thing. <laughs> I guess yeah, so, yeah. some kind of weird. Yeah. 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 You were talking about garlic and tomatoes next to each other. You know, if you could get those two to really cooperate, you'd have a nice pizza sauce. You know, that would work well, I think. Sounds I, delicious. Just, just saying out loud. I don't know. Maybe the bugs could help out with that whole thing too, right? So, Brenda, how... I, I, the question that we had here I thought was so interesting that how, what do you gain by sharing art in a rural setting? Philip had put that together. Is there, when you think back about your experiences as an artist, what do you think it's taught you? What do you think it's oh, so much, done for you? So much about, um, like I said, about collaborating with the land and about collaborating with the different people I've had the privilege of working with. Uh, I've learned a lot about the lives of the people who I've worked with, the farmers, the people who have helped me with the installations, whether it's installing my clothesline or um, collecting clothes. Um, I, I've learned so much, but also just about um, the the changing seasons when you're when you're working in a in a landscape and trying to think through what's the weather going to be like and what are what are the colors going to be during this particular season and how are they going to mm-hmm. change? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're anticipating all of those things, and because you want your work to collaborate, for me, I want my work to collaborate with nature True. and with the community. So um, so many lessons. Um, I think also just a lesson in flexibility. Because there are always changes. Um, you know, if a windstorm comes and, I mean, this didn't happen. My, my pieces haven't been damaged. Um, but, you know, I've seen other artists mm-hmm. where they've had mm-hmm. to really rethink what they were planning to do, maybe even halfway through the detour because uh, something that hadn't been anticipated. So I think it's a lot about remaining flexible, um, being curious, mm-hmm. um, and being collaborative. I think those are... Well, it makes me think of resiliency, too. Mm-hmm. You know, one right. thing that COVID seems right. to have brought out is that the absolute criticalness of, is that a word? Right. The criticality. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what the, the <laughs> word is, yeah. but, you know, that we have that resiliency. Right. Because if you don't, you know, the windstorms come along and you're like, oh, my God, what do I do right. now? Right. Um, so thinking through all the possibilities of what could happen and then also being prepared for the things that are unanticipated that mm-hmm. will um, that will come along. Sure, to, to sure. Like eggplants in two different places, right? right? Just like, who would have thought, right? That they would have that different, but, you know, here's another thing to learn, right? Um, Which is, boy, I don't know how to get people to get that that don't get that. You know, that's been one of my fundamental frustrations in my later years is when you start having that conversation, regardless of it being farm art detour or whatever, the people that get that aspect of, you got to just go with the flow, man, Mm -hmm. you know? Versus the people are like, no, it has to be this way or else, you know. But I would say that the most important thing is just the generosity of the people I've had the chance to work with, the farmers in the community, the and everybody who's helped. People are, you know, might be really skeptical at the very beginning of who is this artist and what are they going to do on our land. And then over time, we create a dialogue with one another. I have learned so much from the people I've worked with, and I think they've learned from me too. Of like, okay, this is how this person thinks, and we're maybe not so different than than might have we might have thought yeah that fundamental respect yeah, yeah. for one so another I, for right? me that's been really important yeah yeah mm-hmm. um what will visitors experience this october 1st through the 10th jay when they come to the farm art detour they drive from hundreds of miles away the kids have been screaming in the back seat the dads and the moms have been threatening to pull over and just go 
back. Turn this car around. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what are we going to see? What's going to happen? Well, um, there are about 40 stops that on the detour that we curate, and, and that meaning that those are to be uh, the artworks that we commission from artists like, like uh, Brenda. Um, there are also vendors along the route, like the Veggie Emporium. So those are things that will be out there. Um, there's the two communities that anchor the detour, uh, Sock Prairie on this end, and all the fabulous things that you can do here. On the other end, it's Plain. And then, of course, there's so much stuff happening there now, with the, uh, including... Uh, well, one of the things that we're doing over in Plain uh, is a collaboration with a community where, where we uh, are in the process uh, working with a, uh, a puppet artist who has created a 20-foot-tall marionette uh, that will be dancing, performing. He is a farmer puppet, and there will be dancing vegetables, and the puppet will be operated in part by an uh, extended arm forklift. So the forklift operator is, is actually an artist in here working for the Kramer uh, brothers. Um, and the puppet is constructed primarily out of uh, construction waste, a lot of uh, pallet, lumber, et cetera. And that's going to be on the weekends. What else is there going to be? Uh, of course, all of our food vendors, uh, we have what we call the food chain. And this time it's at uh, the campground, uh, meeting ground in Whitwin, okay. uh, the historic Whitwin campground, a really beautiful place there. And it'll be about eight to ten food vendors there. Everything from our, our, our like foundational anchor vendors, Chef K. Clark Pickles and Preserves, uh, Physiology, who does live ferments, uh, Salas Creek Coffee will be there, Wisconsin River Meats, um, Whimsy Dish will be making flatbreads. Wow. And, and one of our favorite uh, relationships that we developed down here is with the Hispanic Knights of Columbus out of the, uh, the Catholic Church here in Sauk. Okay. And they run a uh, taco stand. And it's, uh, yeah, Dan, Dan is nodding right yeah. now. It's, I'm there. I'm yeah, there. It, it, it's my, pretty yeah. awesome. And they, you know, they pull a big crew together and they can sling the, sling the, the, the food on the weekends there. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just the standard stuff. And then, I mean, so again, it's 40 stops, but still 90% of what you're going to see is farmland and the and the natural resources of, of this community, and so that's you know the, the we're really proud of the stuff that we work to facilitate, install, highlight. But the the land and the countryside and the work that farmers do every day is the real attraction. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a there's a map, right? There's a brochure right, that is right. like background materials and whatnot. Yeah. So I mean, we after having done this all these years, we're we've gotten pretty good, pretty comprehensive wayfinding system. So there are uh, paper maps, there are downloadable maps. Um, there is signage along the road. One of one of my favorite things is hearing about people who just stumble upon it because mm-hmm. we have you know wicket signs and letting people mm-hmm. know that they're on the route. Um, you know every every corner that that is is questionable is well marked. So people just stumble on this thing and not know what's happening and just start following signs and pretty soon they've done the detour even sure. though they, they didn't really intend it. So. Um, it, what, what else? I mean, there's just so much stuff that happens to me. We we set up this situation 
uh, and then the community meets us about halfway. And so there's things that we never imagined that, that appear out there. There's a whole category of things we call rogue installations where landowners just decide to, to either spruce up their lawn ornaments or create hay, giant hay bale sculptures or sure. they are selling uh, corn or pumpkins. And, and these are the, are the things that, that really gives uh, – some texture to the fabric of the community. It's, sure. it's really wonderful, and uh, we taught. We, we're very proud of the fact that we have lowered the barriers to engagement. You don't have to come into the museum; you just have to get in your car and be on a public thoroughfare. Anyone can do it. It's free to experience, and there's something for everyone. Well, it's interesting because I think that's a kind of a fundamental difference too in the attitude maybe even sort of the spiritual dimension of this event is the rogue things that you talk about i can see a lot of businesses being like they're just riding on our shirt tails you know and having an animosity for them whereas in this forum it's like great come along with us you know, that's fantastic. Yeah. Grab, you know, please, you know, add more because it's like they're adding some oregano to something you didn't think you could have oregano in, right? right. Oregano, yeah. oregano. It's got I more syllables. I think that's because the, the way that um, Jay and Donna have set it up from the very beginning is that it really is about community. It's not so much just about art or fermentation or farming. It's about building community. And I think you've been really clear about that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. interesting, too, because some of the bars end up just sort of naturally being it. So yeah. all these taverns yeah. have this huge amount of business influx. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we want to have more yeah. open around yeah. here. So, right? Well, everyone should do well. I mean, that that's the thing. Yeah. If there's 20,000 people on your traveling your roads in your community for 10 days. I mean, it's a it's a pretty significant economic impact. And mm-hmm. we hope that we, we warn people, we, we help people get ready for it. I mean, Dan and, and Jackie, I think they witnessed it. You know, they, they saw uh, it was worthwhile to, to pay to be part of, on, on the map. I mean, that's part of it. There's there's sort of the authorized stops, and then there's pl- there's plenty of places for people to just set up their card table and do whatever they want. Sure. You know, uh, and and it's yeah, it's very democratic that way. Um, in addition to the commissioned art and the rogue, there's also a, a, something you call farm forms, which is art created by farmers. And they, or it's uh, like, for instance, I hear we're going to have a collection of uh, antique tractors that will be installed out there at some point. Hmm. And just these things that are that are sort of. Um, somewhat unique to our place but you're, you don't always know about it i mean right. you know i i don't know what we call you guys down here but up up there in the northern part of the county they have the good old boys and their good old toys and they're just <laughs> any excuse to bring out their tractors sure. And, sure. and then to engage people on them and you know like you said a lot of folks are coming from far away and their their farm roots are far in the past and so there's some really wonderful conversations that take place uh, learning about what farming was what farming is and and how it's it's permanently important to all of us. Well, and music, right? There's live music. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. So, so also, especially, well, there, there's pasture performances. So out on the route, there would be things in the field. But at the Whitwin uh, campground, there's a beautiful building called the Tabernacle, just mm-hmm. a remarkable 100-year-old structure that is made for live performances. And so there's... A couple, I mean, there's stuff is still getting booked as we speak, but there's a couple of anchor performances that I'm really looking forward to. Um, there is um, a percussionist from Milwaukee named Yames Finlayson and a... Uh, well, you a, say that 10 times fast. Yames Finlayson <laughs> times 10. 
And, uh, you and think then I got he's, angry he's, in he's bad commuting, shape. Uh-huh. he's uh, collaborating with a guy from out here, Felix Sines, who's a plays bass and, and finger pick guitar. And, and they have right. been uh, making music together. They met very briefly last year at Fermentation Fest. They wanted to collaborate. So that's going to be a fabulous thing the first weekend. The second weekend, the Poet Laureate of Wisconsin, who Dasha Kelly, who is an amazing poet, but also a writer and a great facilitator and performer, will be on the main stage in the tabernacle uh, doing a really wonderful kind of interactive thing that will just blow your mind. So right. Well, and then there are stages sometimes out in the field. I've seen photographs. I, I don't think I saw it that year, but there was ballet dance going right. on in the middle of the field. And right. so there's that kind of thing where like, wow, it, why just, didn't I exactly. think of that? Some incongruous things that you stumble upon. Right. You know? And yet somehow it makes sense. So, right. Culture and agriculture. <laughs> Folks, my guests today are Jay Salinas, Brenda Baker, Jackie, and Dan Engie. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back to talk more about this incredible event that happens around here. I'm so blessed to live in this area, the Farm Art Detour. And if Jay hasn't convinced you that you need to get in your car and be here sometime between October 1st and 10th, then I'm sorry, but your wood is wet. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Frame of Reference and 99.7 Max. XFM's digital network. McFarland's Problem Solvers Playhouse presents The Fiendish Plot of Peter Peter the Potsman Eater. A story opens as Peter Peter walks up to McFarland's pot specialist Johnny Yen Gildenluke and says, I bet you don't have a frog. To which Yen replied, Why, yes, Peter, that's a common plow part for us. We do have those in stock. Drats, you McFarland's parts guys have beaten me again. Can I get it in purple? Let the problem solvers at McFarland's help you with your next parts puzzle. McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street, one block south of Highway 12 in Sauk City. Well, we're back here on Favorite Reference with a whole wonderful group of, of artists and educators and farmers. Uh, Jason Linus, Brenda Baker, Jack, Jackie and Dan Engie uh, are all here talking about this wonderful thing called the Farm Art Detour. Uh, Jackie, Dan, I'm going to start with you guys. Uh, we've got kind of a general question here for, I'm actually, I'm going to go with a different one here. What have you learned about yourself, both through your experience with farming as being the, the kinds of farmers that you've been, as well as through, has the farm art detour kind of helped that process? Um, so when you talk about things like, Dan, you've been talking about a lot, the regenerative farming. What is, what has it taught you? What have you learned about yourself and about that that whole domain i learned um that there's other people out there that are as enthused or will become as enthused as i am that we are about regenerative agriculture about you know as excited about i am as you know seeing compost being made or as seeing as seeing a tree growing and in 10 years producing some fruit that you can eat some nuts that you can eat um but also um, I think what I learned at least the first time we we're on the detour in 2020 is like, um, yeah, you, all you have to do is take the first step and then steps two and three and four become more clear. So like our first step, if we didn't put out that stand, we probably wouldn't know about the detour. And if we didn't, if we weren't on the detour, then we wouldn't have made so many connections that we made in 2020 and since then of all the cool people that came by and mm-hmm. all the people that heard about us and stopped at the 
farm stand since then or came and found us at the farmer's market and remembered us from the detour. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of interesting, too, that uh, uh, so much of our culture, I think, in the United States is destination-oriented. We have to know where we're going in order to make it worthwhile to take the trip, right? And kind of what we've been talking about in a lot of different ways is that it's not about knowing where you're going. It's about starting on the adventure and letting it take you where it will. Is that Very much fair? so, okay. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and you talked about a book that you had read, right? That, um, what, your favorite book? Um, I See Them Running. Yeah. And, and that's sort of that same thing, wasn't it, in terms of what it awakened in you? Yeah, yeah, that was just really interesting, just how, yeah, it's not one thing, it's not on one person or one thing to do everything, it's it's so much collaboration, like, uh, I see a forest as so different now, because it is, it's not a group of trees, it's a whole network of trees, plants, animals, fungi, all working together, all networking with each other, all working together as to form one single unit. Now, when we talk about ecosystems, Ecosystem. there's an entire system, interconnected system, that um, if you take one part of it out, it affects all parts of it, right? So, Jackie, how about you? Where's the where's this going for you? I agree with Dan. Um, if I think well, that's I, a good thing because you guys are going home <laughs> together. I need to think of, I started a feud or something. That'd be bad. Being a vendor at the fermentation fest detour in 2020 definitely got me out of my comfort zone. Um, never would I ever have thought that we would have been a vendor, like invited to it. But it was like you got to do it. You know, if you don't do it then you're going to pass up an opportunity. So like my thing is just like getting out of your comfort zone and uh, not letting opportunities pass because otherwise like life is so monotonous. Mm-hmm. It's so boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the detour is just such an amazing like experience. And uh, I hope that everyone listening can definitely come to <laughs> it because it'll change your change your life. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, the, I think there's a lot of truth that if, if you let it, you know, I mean, the, the experiences that we have, if we'll let them overwhelm us, you know, or let them inform us, you kind of make the decision, right? I, I like being overwhelmed sometimes. It forces me to realize I don't have all the answers. So not a bad thing. Brenda, how about you? What What have you learned about yourself? I mean, you've been doing this since you said 2012, or you've been involved well, in somewhere? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what have I learned about myself? Um, well, I mean, I... I each opportunity has been totally different. And so, um, I mean, I've, again, like I mentioned about remaining flexible, um, and that, um, you know, to, to look at the opportunities before it and, and see each opportunity and figure out what I can learn from it because I've learned something different from each, from each experience this year, I would say, um, the, how the work has sort of changed over from the beginning, from 2012 to now. The first three years, the first three times, 2012, 2015, and 2020, um, it started first with what the piece of land, uh, how the land spoke to me. And this year it's very different because it's it first came from uh, a concept. We were getting, we got it, you know, Jay and Donna got a group of people together trying to talk about how do we address the issue, how do we talk about climate change and our carbon footprint. And then from that, it was a group of scientists and writers and farmers and artists and 
you know, a very eclectic group, and we were all talking about how do we how do we talk about climate change in a way that that is inviting to people mm-hmm. and that you know where we can have real conversation in that. So the project that I'm doing this year in collaboration with Worm Farm and also with uh, with Beth Percy it is, um, and also some of the other partners who were in the collaboration early on um, is really ad- addressing that. So it's coming from. Uh, content first rather than the land okay. um, so we're really trying to communicate and have have really um, have c- climate conversations um, that are productive where we can have people talking about their viewpoint from different perspectives I saw interesting research just yesterday day before that was fascinating they were saying how the people that are concerned about climate change in Wisconsin oftentimes think they're in the minority but the numbers are actually showing that right. they're the majority right The majority of people in Wisconsin really are concerned about it, and it's interesting that they feel like they're the minority when they're not. I think um, the the data coming out of the Yale Climate Research Center is that about seventy five percent of adults are concerned um, to the point of being, you know. But most people don't know what to do, and I think talking about it is the first step toward figuring out what we can do. So the project that um, that I'm working on. This year, in collaboration with Worm Farm and, and Beth Percy and um, and others, is is called the Carbonara Cafe. Um, it's an Italian <laughs> restaurant, it. um, but the whole idea is that we're going to um, have menu items that that get people um, having conversations about climate. Okay. Um, c- casual conversations that are that are positive and. Um, Sounds really non-threatening too, which is, I mean, you've done something right from the beginning with a name to make it comfortable, right? Right. This isn't a place to, you know, it's not the soapbox. No, it's, it's not a cafe. soapbox. It's it's trying to have conversations with one another, sure, um, so we can understand each other's perspective. Boy, if we just need that in general, don't right. we? These days, it's just that you can't have a conversation mm-hmm. without it turning into a yelling match, and it's mm-hmm. like, no, no, come yeah. on, let's mm-hmm. just take a step back here, mm-hmm. Mr. Salinas. You've been Saying they're taking notes, yeah, writing, yeah, coming yeah. up with pithy things to say. What What do you think, Jay? What's the What have you learned? Um, I, I mean, I, I just want to echo the things that that, that uh, your other guests have said because it really all all of those things. Um, I, it's we didn't really set out to for this to be this kind of community and economic development piece, but it it really turned out that way. That's a, a downstream event. Uh, I have been just continually rewarded by the, the relationships I've developed with, with farmers on, on, I wouldn't even say on one end, with farmers and landowners. So, so Jackie and Dan are, are more than just vendors at the Veggie Emporium. I mean, they're, they're young farmers. They're working in the context of a multi-generation dairy farm, and they're moving in a in a different direction than than their their father has, their parents have, and it's it's really really brave thing that they're doing, and they've made a long-term commitment to that by uh, with the planting of trees and and things like that. So there, so um, it's it's a really beautiful thing. There, you can't tell on the podcast here, but they're a young, handsome couple um, who have not only been 
a valuable addition on the detour, but has also come and spoken with our finalists, the artist finalists, and shared their knowledge with them. They've worked with our staff very closely, and they're actually going to host another piece of this sort of carbon conversation where we are going to go on their farm on Thursday, October 6th, and have a kind of little mini symposium out there. Mm-hmm. We will a mix of, of hands-on practices. We'll be planting some trees and shrubs and helping uh, estab- establish their silviculture piece out there. But then we'll also have some other folks that we know who uh, can share their uh, background and experience and projects they're doing in this realm of conservation, all, all, always thinking about this climate piece. I mean, it, it's not uh, surprising that uh, that most people believe, I mean, farmers have to understand climate change because they, they witness it every day, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it's not controversial. It's just, it's just the daily experience for them. I mean, it's, it, you just, you can't not notice it. Um, Brenda, in addition to being an artist, has been a juror, and she, she has also been just a tremendous source of, of knowledge and experience and and professionalism that has really helped us up our game. And so that you know, when when Brenda is selected to be a, a re- returning artist, it's not because we know her and we like her, because there's a jury that selects these works, and so they have selected her because of her work, not because she we, we like her and she made a nice work three years ago. There's a, it's a pretty um, uh, rigorous process, and so for her to have been selected multiple times in the detour says a lot about her. Uh, just what she's talked about, her capacity for sort of understanding that relationship between her aesthetic expression and the land and the people that inhabit the land. So mm. those are are things that. Um, after doing this stuff for 10 years, I mean, it's things that, that um, most of the detourist, as we like to call them, will never see, but there's all this uh, back-of-the-house stuff, to use mm-hmm. a theater term, that goes on that just, it, it's so powerful and so beautiful and, and lasts longer than that 10 days of the detour that, that that's the, my probably um, most um, impactful uh, um, realization after having done this work, that it, it really, it is our responsibility to work to bring this community together, and we have to do it in a way that uh, acknowledges the, the, our, each of our different points of departure, but and finds a common thread and finds a, 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 a way to, to bring those threads together, and to, as I alluded to it before, into this fabric of the community, even if it's just a kind of this temporarily heightened reality for this 10-day period. But those, uh, the, those um, hmm. relationships and the, that goodwill carries on uh, after be, after the detour and, and and again the once your mind's been changed like this it can't be unchanged again right it's like your mushroom experience once you've had <laughs> right. you only need to do it once brother right. because once right. you've seen the way things really are right. then then you, you go. can't go back to things so the same thing with the detour when you see the the the, the land in that perspective you can't go thinking uh, you drive past a cornfield anymore and and not wonder about mm-hmm. the family that's doing that farm and where mm-hmm. that crop goes 
and what is the impact on the environment and mm-hmm. all, yeah. all of those things that are just, you know, around us all the time. But, it, it, you know, and, and that's, again, that power of the ephemeral, just knock the needle out of the groove to be jumping around in our metaphors here. Yeah. Well, and it, but there is something about putting those, that light bulb going off, right? Yeah. And once we, we make that connection, it becomes, I think, easier for the connection to be made. And it might be in a completely different setting, but I had a, a theater professor back when I was working my MFA and she would talk about informing your intuition you know and there there was so much truth to that that I, I've seen over my life you know you wish you could go back when you were you know 20 years old and go listen to her listen right now listen you know and thankfully enough of it stuck that I you know and I saw the process that what she was talking about but really this is kind of all about informing our intuition right and hoping that you can take other people along on the journey or at least start them on their own right mm-hmm. well we're going to take a quick break to uh, hear another word from our sponsors and then I'm going to come back but you're going to have to wait until next week to hear it but we're going to do the epilogue of this conversation so i hope you'll not only listen to the wrap-up for this episode but you'll come back to the epilogue because if you've listened to the first two episodes you know there have been some pretty cool nuggets of information and stories and and applications but uh i I have a feeling now that we've all warmed up and we've gotten used to things the best is yet to come so come on back and don't go anywhere here on 99.7 max fm's digital network and frame of reference there's never been a better time to support small businesses and save big with Max FM Big Deals. Discount certificates from the Max FM Big Deals store will save you up to 50% off retail every day of the week. Local restaurants and wineries, healthy living and spa services, gifts for the holidays, and a whole lot more. New deals are added weekly. Check it out now at MaxFMBigDeals.com. That's MaxFMBigDeals.com. Start shopping and start saving. You know, when I first heard about the Worm Farm Institute and the Fermentation Fest and Farm Art Detour, I was befuddled that such a thing and place existed. I, like many others, I suspect, did not get how farming and art were connected. Fermentation made sense to me with my limited understanding of how that process works, but a Worm Farm Institute? What the heck is that? Well, like most things I don't understand, and there are a lot of them. I at least had the wherewithal to explore and learn more about it all before I made up my mind about this whole thing. Six years later, I am happy to say that the exploration has really just begun. Not only has the connection between art and agriculture become so much more obvious and ubiquitous to me, but I've found so much more joy just in being where I live because I'm looking at it through the lens of learning that Farm Art Detour provides. Let that be a lesson for all of us. Look, learn, listen first. Put your biases in the trunk and take a trip on the wild side. Tune in next week for the conclusion of our three-part interview with Jay, Brenda, Jackie, and Dan. Until then, be well.